just really want to endorse Alpha as well, and uh, really honour Mike and Linda who have led Alpha now for many, many years faithfully and do an absolutely awesome job. If you're visiting today, my name's Robert Norris. I'm just part of the leadership here at SABC, and it's my privilege to, to bring the message this morning, and it's my privilege to be the first one to use this awesome stand. Okay, a pop quiz. First qu uh, a question for you. What is the most popular fruit in the world? Oranges. Oranges, no. Apples, no. Bananas, no. Tomato, no. No. Strawberries, no. Mango, someone said it, yes. Mango is the most popular fruit in the world and it beats the near, whichever the next one is, it could be apple by about two or three times, just out of interest. No, I, I, like, I, I like fruit. Fruit is succulent, it's good. You know, I eat vegetables, it's sort of, sometimes. I enjoy fruit. Uh, uh, this year I have lost about eight kgs. I had to buy some new clothes, do they look all right? People commented about our church opening wearing my suit, my trousers looked a little bit oversized. And largely that's because I have reduced sugar intake into my diet this year. So I don't drink apple juice anymore. I used to drink a fair bit of that, not eating cakes. Well, Denise made some really nice cake yesterday morning. I went for a big long ride. I did, I'm not religious about it. <laughs> but you know, when we actually control what we put into our bodies, you know, our bodies actually reap the benefit of that. When we control what we put into our spirit, our whole being reaps the benefit yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, over the years, I've been on many, many outreaches. If you've if you been a Christian for a long time, you know what an outreach is. You go to a place and you'll um, do sort of maybe some street dramas and you'll You'll go up to people and you'll talk to them about Jesus and you'll go knock on doors. And, and you know, I've been to Picton, I've been to Queenstown, I've been to Reefton, I've been to Greymouth, I've been to Murchison and, and other places uh, doing this type of thing. And, and the knocking on doors, going and talking to people, you know, I did it because that's what you do. <laughs> have, we, have we got a bit of an echo there, Steve? Is there anything I can do to... Okay. Um, the, so knocking on doors, who enjoys that? <laughs> oh, we've got a few. That's good. Jeff, I can imagine that's the case. I mean, I did it. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about seeing people come into the kingdom. Yeah. I always have. I've been a Christian for quite a while now, and I've always been passionate about seeing people come into the kingdom. And I haven't really had a problem with sharing my faith, but, you know, the knocking on the doors thing, it felt quite mechanical. And, and I think there is an aspect of sharing our faith, which by and large, as a church, we've missed. And, and a lot of what we do in trying to build the kingdom is, can have that mechanical feel to it, 
We do it because this is what we're supposed to do. So this morning I wanted to talk about being fed to feed others. Being fed to feed others. And I started talking about fruit. And fruit is actually mentioned in the Bible really early. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2 is the first mention of fruit. And, and Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and in there the Bible talks about there being um, fruit which is really good to look at and to eat. And of course there, there are some special trees in the garden, and the, the one that we tend to focus on is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the, in the garden. And I think that's because of our propensity to think about, about law and right and wrong. And, but God actually put two trees in the centre of the garden. We'll look at the verse in a second. But it's the, he had the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. And, and because God wanted to give man free will, he placed trees of choice there. That you can choose to eat from the tree of life or you can choose to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and e- of good and evil. And that's the choice that Adam and Eve had. And of course, knowledge of good and evil is about being self-determining about knowing what you believe is right and wrong for you. And that, because Adam and Eve chose that, it created what we call the fall, separated us from God, separated us from the tree of life. We decided that we wanted to be self-determining. You know, when we think about all the different sins of lying, stealing, um, all, all sorts of bad things... You know, none of those are the ultimate thing that separates you from God. It's the desire to be self-determining, to determine your own future rather than actually have God involved. Whereas if we actually choose to partner with God and have him, then we can eat from the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So this morning I'm wanting to focus on the tree of life and how we feed from that tree. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. So here was the tree of life at the very beginning of the Bible. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the eastern Eden and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, in the very centre, in the very heart of the garden, and I think it was no accident that God put it in the very middle, in the centre, in the heart, because that's where we're dealing with is our heart the very centre of our being, were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And then if we flip to the very end of the Bible, to the end of history, to the end of, of when it goes into eternity and we don't know, uh, you know, there's no record of what goes on apart from what is set up at the very end of the Bible, we see in Revelation 22, 1 to 2, that the tree of life is there as well. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life. I'm not quite sure how you picture that. You know, you think tree. I mean, is it one big tree which sort of branches in the middle and, and spreads to each side? Or is it sort of like a tree which is more like a vine growing on each, each side? I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that physically looks. But on either side was the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, 
yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Basically, 12 crops of fruit, it's basically continuously producing fruit. Free there to be eaten of as much as you want. You can have as much life as you like. You can receive as much life as you like. So when, when Adam and Eve chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and there was a separation. They couldn't actually go back to the tree of life at that point. Because God said, you have to choose. Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so there was a, a, the inability for man really to eat of the tree of life from that point on until the middle of history. When Jesus came, he opened up access to the tree of life again when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. In fact, um, the prophets said that, you know, cursed anyone is hung on a tree, and the cross is a symbol of a tree. The cross has basically became a tree of life. Jesus is our tree of life. Let's look at some verses. Revelations 2 verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Who is it who overcomes? People who actually receive Jesus. Proverbs 3 verse 18. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus is God's wisdom. Wisdom is a tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life that we can feed from. John 3, verse 36. We feed from the tree of life so that we have life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's about life, friends. Following Christ is something that gives life. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see, feed from Jesus, taste and see that the Lord is good. Proverbs 11 verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, Jesus is God's righteous one, righteous one. However, we are also righteous in Jesus. Yeah. Not only do we get to feed from Jesus, but he plants the tree of life in us as he comes and lives inside of us and allows us to produce fruit that will feed others. Yeah. Now, Abraham was told that he was blessed to be a blessing. And that principle applies to us, that Jesus comes, feeds us, so that we can feed others. Jesus uses a slightly different analogy to say the same thing in John 7, verses 37 to 38. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. We get to drink from Jesus. We get to eat from Jesus. And from that, 
we can, the water flows out of us to bless others. We produce fruit that will bless other people that they can actually receive. Feeding and then releasing out to others. It's kingdom thinking, friends. It's the way that we are to live. Who, who enjoyed the worship time this morning? Yeah. God's presence was here mightily, wasn't it? We were feeding at that time. We were receiving from Jesus. And we're going to have that opportunity again as we, come, as we finish the service later on. It's just feeding from Jesus so that we can be a blessing to others. What I want us to look at, though, is how do we go about feeding others? How do we do that? So let's have a look at Matthew 10, verses 7 to 8. Verse should be coming up. Okay, this is a verse that Jesus, uh, Jesus talking to the disciples, and he starts off with, as you go. As you go. Interesting little three words. Now, it's a, it's a, the phrase, as you go, is an actual, this is something that you just do as you're doing it. As you go, so as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to university, as you go to the supermarket, as, as you go to the mall, as you go to play sport, as you go for a run, as you go for a walk, as you go to visit your neighbor. As you go, whatever you're doing, you should be feeding others with the fruit that Jesus has given you. And then it says, as you. It doesn't say, as the pastor goes. It doesn't say, as someone who's incredibly intelligent goes. It doesn't say, as someone who's spent five years studying the Bible goes. It doesn't say, as someone who's got a gift in healing or as someone who's got a gift in evangelism. What does it say? As you go. I think that you includes everyone here, doesn't it? As we go. Then it highlights three things we're supposed to do. The verse says, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Three things that it's in, Jesus is encouraging us to, to do, and I want to go do that verse now in reverse. It talks about persuading, it talks about power, and it talks about providing. So we, I've got a little Venn diagram that's about to come up on the screen. I like Venn diagrams. It's one of the best ways I understand biblical truth. I find that most truth in the Bible comes in the form of three, you know, God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, righteousness, justice, and grace. The truth is understood uh, often in the form of threes. And, and uh, when we look at each of these, provide, power, and persuade, it's not a case of saying, oh, well, I'm really good at the providing part. I don't have to worry about the power and persuade. No, we need to develop in all three to actually get a real balance in the middle of how we live our Christianity, how we actually grow the kingdom, how we make a difference in the world, how we represent Jesus, how we share our fruit. It's by providing power 
and persuading. It's all three. So let's look at providing first. The, the verse says, freely we have received, freely we give. We need to help people in need. There was a saying years ago that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Yeah. Now that may or may not be true. I think it can be a little bit situational. But the truth is that God shows his great love towards others, or to, our, to us actually, as he pours it into our hearts. We need to feed on that love that he has for others and drink of it, and the outcome will be that we will actually feel God's love and compassion for other people, and we will want to meet their need. The closer we get to God, the more we will want to meet people's needs, especially as he meets ours. You know, the Apostle Paul was an incredible evangelist. He did a lot of miracles, wrote a lot of the New Testament. Yet in Galatians, it talks about when the other apostles commissioned him to go to the Gentiles while they focused on the Jews, the only key thing that they told him to remember was to remember the poor. And he, his word was, says, well, that's something that I've always been keen to do. Now, so this, this sort of hero of the Bible, someone who is, 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 you know, we put him right up there as, you know, if you're wanting to be a top Christian and you're wanting to actually measure yourself against someone, which we shouldn't do because we're all right before God, we're all equal in that sense. But he was pretty awesome, wasn't he? And what does he say? I want to remember the poor. It's one of the key things about who I am. Meeting need is part of who we should be. And as we get closer to God, our desire to meet need will increase. And as a church, I think we do that well. You know, we've got three trusts running in the church. So we've got the NHT, I think there's some photos about to come up, the Neighbourhood Trust. Yep, we've got some photos. Now this is an awesome trust, it's been running for a long time, John got it started, Ginny heads it up, Leanna is on, a chair of the um, trustees, and they do an awesome work, don't they? Yeah. Now they're in Mary Howe, they've got the shop, they do Oscar, they um, do the light party, the... Golden Program, they do such awesome work, and it's all based around meeting need in the community. If the need wasn't there, then they wouldn't do it. And then we have Ramp Up Trust, which is, uh, or Ramp Up Ministries, which was started by John Scott, and it's doing work in Samoa, which is meeting need over there. John talked about just having these God whispers and, and uh John Scott, who is the key person for the Ramp Up Ministries Trust, he, they had a tsunami in Samoa. They wiped out a lot of their um, ability to actually gather fish and that. So he went over there and he's been starting to teach them how to build boats. And he's gone many, many times over there doing that and building connections with leaders over there and speaking into them, encouraging them. Awesome trust, meeting a, a real need in the islands. And then we have Crossroads Youth with the Future, which is Richard Starling. It's been going for over 20 years, and that's an awesome trust in the Aranui area and, and extension further out. And they, they run the, the uh, 
Get Real or Stay Real program in schools, which is a 12-step process which helps kids to understand their identity and, and build worth into their lives. And he, he runs kids' programs in the evening, which he gets about 30 or 40 people, uh, young people coming along to and just is able to share Jesus with them. And, and he goes and visits people in prison and um, he spends time in the community just pastoring people's needs. And it all comes out of a passion for people which grows out of a heart of loving Jesus. And it needs to happen that way, friends. You know, it could just so easily be social work meeting need. And if it's not God-inspired, God-empowered through feeding on Jesus and actually releasing that into meeting people, it's just social work. But it is part of the gospel, it is part of the good news that we share. Secondly, power. Jesus told the disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And I think for me, this is an aspect of the good news of Jesus that when I've been going out sharing my faith, has been missing. Anyone else agree that that's been a missing aspect? And yet it's part of what makes Christianity so real and alive and relevant for people is actually seeing power taking place. Now, as a demonstration of power that caused my dad to come to faith many years ago. Now, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. The, our family all... Uh, slowly came to faith. My dad was the last one, and he was incredibly resistant to anything around Christianity. If it was mentioned in the home and he was around, he'd get incredibly angry, um, which he didn't want to see. And then one day, miracle of miracles, uh, there was a tent crusade going through the country by the name of Larry Allen. If you've been a Christian for more than 30 years, you probably remember the name. And uh, in the New Life Church in Rangura that we were going to, uh, it came there, put the tent up, he was coming in and speaking, and one night Dad came along to a meeting. And and Larry Allen uh, pinpointed him, went up to him, and prophesied over his life exactly all the stuff that was going on in his life, that was going on in his thinking, and he said, God is real, and I just need to repent and turn to God. And he did. Power. Power making the difference. Now, Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed leprosy, and drove out demons to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God. People can't deny power when they see it or experience it. As a kid, I grew up in Rangura, and uh, we Dad had an engineering business there. We were sort of in Southbrook on the outskirts. We had a whole big paddock area which hadn't been developed yet, and then off the side there there's a railway reserve with lots of trees and we used to go there and build tree huts and, and stuff and I had, we had a, a collie Labrador cross, uh, no sorry a collie Alsatian cross dog as a pet and he'd come with us and one, one along the railway edge of, the, of that reserve there was an electric fence <laughs> who's ever seen a dog relieve himself on an electric fence <laughs> That's incredibly funny to watch. Not so good for the dog, but incredibly funny to watch. Yeah. 
touching an electric fence, you know if there's power there or not, don't you? When people are touching you, do they know if there's power there or not? Feeding on Jesus. Getting our fill, receiving power, releasing it to the world around us. And part of what we need to do is actually be willing to take risk. We call it stepping across the chicken line. When we see a need that needs God's power released onto it, and step across the chicken line and think, let's see if God's going to respond here and actually take that risk. Because it's called faith. And one thing that Christianity is about is about faith. God responds to faith. In fact, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Now that verse doesn't mean to say that God isn't pleased with us. What that verse is saying is that when we step across the chicken line and take a step of faith, God's saying, yeah, they're doing it. And it just releases God's presence. God responds and difference and change happens. And I'm learning this myself. I'd love to have story after story after story. You know, I've been talking, I've got work people, staff who have got sick and I'm talking about, can I pray for you? They're not saying yes necessarily yet, but it'll happen. (laughs) I have prayed with um, some customers and just ask that God to release healing on them. And it's something that is just starting to develop for me, and I think it's something that we all can start to develop. And it doesn't mean to say that you need to go up to the first dead person you meet and say, (laughs) it's about taking steps of faith that you can manage. So there could be someone at work who's got a headache, and you say, look, can I pray for, for you to see if God will heal you of that headache? And that could be a sufficient risk that is activating your faith and seeing God respond. And one of the biggest barriers I've faced in the past is if I've offered to, wanted to offer healing to a person or to see God's power released onto a person is, am I actually working in God's will? And I think that's because of a lack of understanding I've had about who God is. And God, you know, we keep saying this, God is a good God in a good mood wanting to do good things. And we need to get our head around this. Healing, releasing God's power, is a normal expression of the kingdom of God. You know, releasing God's power, seeing people healing, healed, seeing... Miracles take place is simply bringing heaven to earth. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. No. What does the Lord's Prayer say? Your kingdom done, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Bringing heaven to earth. Does God want to release his power to heal, to do miracles, to to, to see people set free from the power of darkness? Of course he does. I think it's just more about our fear of taking a risk and stepping across the chicken line.
So we need, as, we get, as we feed on Jesus, as we eat of the tree of life, we'll find that increased desire to, to um, provide for people to meet needs. We'll see that there is ability to see God's power released over people. And we'll also start to persuade. Now, the verse said, uh, told the disciples... Go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Persuading, telling people the kingdom of heaven is actually here. And unless the good news is spoken, it won't be heard. Faith comes from hearing, the Bible says. And the message of Jesus is good news. And I think we're afraid to share because in the past we've talked about Jesus poorly. Perhaps we lacked excitement. We weren't close enough connected with God where it was a, a quite a religious thing we're doing. Again, it was mechanical. We're doing it because we had to do it, not because we were passionate about people. You know, I was, I was, um, I was spending some time feeding a couple of weeks ago, just lying on my, my, my bed, just, just worshipping Jesus and... Uh, uh, I think that Jesus dropped a real impression into, into my mind, into my heart, just about when people don't know Jesus and they, and they come to the end of their life on this planet, they've chosen not to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, to receive forgiveness, to choose deep from the tree of life rather than the tree of knowledge, good and evil, they die still wanting to be self-determining. And you know, while you're on this planet, you still have uh, aspects of God's goodness influencing your life to some degree. You know, everything good comes from God. Everything bad comes from the devil. If you want to be self-determining and then you, you leave this planet at that point, your chance of choice is gone to choose the other. So now God says, okay, you want to be self-determining, go for it. It's all yours for the rest of eternity. My goodness is no longer there for you. And the Bible describes pain and suffering as the result of that. We don't truly understand what, what that is. a place that's called hell. We don't truly understand what hell is like. But I, I had this realization as I was sitting there is people are in that situation, you know, they, they will experience that today. And they'll experience it the next day. 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 And it doesn't stop. It keeps going and going and going. And there is no relief. I'll tell you what, as I was, as I was lying there spending time with Jesus, my passion for seeing people saved suddenly went up a few notches. I didn't want my friends, I didn't want the guys who worked for me, I didn't want any relatives to, to actually end up in that situation. I want them in the kingdom. Yeah. I, I want them to experience life. I want them to experience what Jesus is like. I want them to experience how good God is. Yeah. I want them in eternity in heaven, enjoying it. Yeah. You know, and perhaps in the past we've lacked a bit of excitement. Then also I think we've focused on people's sin. 
You know, we've, we may not have said it quite this way, but we've basically been telling people that the dirty, rotten sinners. People don't need to be told that. They already know. They may not verbalize it. They may not actually admit to it, but deep down, they know that they're not right. They know that things are wrong in their life. They don't need to be told what they already know. What they need to be told is a solution. What they need to be introduced to is an answer. What they need to be shown is that there's a way that they can be free from that. They need to understand just how good God is, how good the good news of Jesus is. They need to be shown the truth of Jesus in your life. Friends, Jesus is the best news on the planet, bar none. And if we aren't so excited about Jesus that it, he just doesn't bubble up out of us, that fruitful words don't keep dropping from our lips, can I encourage you, you need to spend more time with him. You need to spend more time feeding off Jesus. Jesus wants people to experience a tree of life being planted and growing in your life, producing fruit. And we can only share what we already have. We need to keep our relationship with Jesus fresh and vibrant. We need to drink and feed ourselves. So how do we do that? You know, John, the last couple of weeks, has been sharing some tremendous messages around the key of David. And one of the verses he shared is John 15, verse 5, which says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear the occasional piece of fruit. If you abide in me, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, we can't do anything. It's about keeping that connection with Jesus alive. It's about worshipping. It's about soaking. It's about uh, feeding off Jesus. Now, when we start to learn how to control the food we take into our body, you know, we can lose some weight. <laughs> we can get healthier. But when we actually start to look at the spiritual food that we actually take into our body when we're actually making sure that we're spending that time with Jesus, that we're feeding on him, our whole lives, our whole being benefits. Who would like to spend some time feeding? Ben's going to come up. First of all, if you're here as someone who's seeking spiritual answers, can I say today is a great day for you. You've got two choices. First of all, if you'd like to know more, you can sign up for the Alpha course. You can see Mike or Linda and do some more investigation. I'd encourage you to do that. It's uh, you know, it, making sure that you've worked it out and that you are 
know the choices that you're making is a really important thing to do. But it could be that just today you've decided, actually, I need to choose to feed from the tree of life rather than tree, feeding from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and have, control, trying to control my life.